Welcome to the next podcast of millinery.info. Today's podcast is with Bonnie Evelyn. We sat down to do this interview with Bonnie when we were both in Adelaide at the Hats Off to Adelaide Millinery Convention. How did you first become interested in millinery? I was working as the senior tailor at the Melbourne um, Defence Army Barracks um, on St Kilda Road and a colleague of mine was going to the Melbourne Cup and figured that since I could sew, could I make her a hat? Um, so I made her a little headpiece and I thought, oh, that was, you know, quite interesting. I quite enjoyed that. So I bought a few materials and made a few other hats, um, which then I thought, well, I'll try and sell them. So I went round to a few, all sorts of hat shops in Melbourne and eventually um, Sue Dreer up at the Essential Hat, took my hats on consignment. Mm. Um, and she sold a few of them. So at the end of the season, I asked her if I could come and do some work experience with her next year, which I did. And then the following year, I was working there. And so I worked at the Essential Hat for quite a while, um, while Sue was in charge. Um, and then I went out and started my own millinery business. Um, I think the Essential Hat's since then changed um, to owned by Catherine Ellen now who you've spoken to already. Yes, we have. Yes. Um, so I haven't, I did study um, a fashion diploma at Box Hill TAFE before I became the tailor at the Defence Force, but um, I haven't really had any formal millinery training. It was more what I've learned um, from Sue and the ladies at the Essential Hats. Um, and that's sort of where it all began. Now I've got my label, Bonnie Evelyn, and... Yeah, it's predominantly racing headwear. Um, so each racing season, all the ladies come in and get their hats and the chaos happens. Um, so when you were starting up, what was one of the biggest challenges that you found when you were initially establishing your brand? Um, I think, I guess, um, getting the exposure and building up a client base. I was pretty lucky um, when I went out on my own. I also had a job working in a fabric shop called Stitches to Style, which is on, on High Street in Armidale. Um, and I was fortunate that um, there's some rooms upstairs above the old Victorian building and um, one of them became available. So I was able to rent the room um, and I was able to have my hats in the window on High Street Armidale. So that was definitely a big advantage because it's a popular shopping strip. Um, and yeah, and so ladies would see the hats in the window and come upstairs and try them on. And I generally do made-to-measure orders because people, a lot of the time, already have their dresses when they come to me. Um, but sometimes you're lucky enough, people just buy them. <laughs> do you keep many pieces in stock or what's your process for that consultation? Um, I do have a few pieces that I keep in stock and... I guess what happens is um, we talk about what sort of shape suit people, try a few different types of hats on, figure out what side of the head it works best on, um, you know, what they sort of, whether they're a flamboyant person or whether they want to be a bit more conservative and they're not feeling confident, they want to fit in more than stand out. Um, and then they, uh, yeah, I get them to try on as many different style hats as they can because sometimes you can get surprised by, and you never know, people might think that something suits them and then it turns out that something looks better on them. Um, 
And then generally, um, if they've got their outfit already, we find a colour that works well with that. Um, and I do have quite a few materials, different coloured materials in stock that we can just hold the colour up to the person's head while they're holding up their dress so they can see that people need to be able to see what the finished product will look like because they put a lot of faith in you when getting a custom order hat because they don't... They, they can't see what it will be like when it's finished. So you need to build up a bit of trust with these customers that, you know, you can create something that, you know, is going to work for them. And are the majority of your customers, will they come in to see you or do you have people who come through you through your online store? Uh, yeah, look, I started out mostly face-to-face -face with people. Um, my online store, I get I probably get less sales online than I do face-to-face, -face, I think. Um, I think it's important to try things on as well because, like I said before, sometimes people think that something will look amazing on them and then it turns out that it doesn't quite work. Work, yeah. Um, and how would you describe your style of hats as a general rule? Um, I kind of feel as though I've evolved in millinery. When I started off making hats, I really loved flowers and I was making lots of big flowers to be worn on the head out of fabric, like stiffened fabric. Um, and I'd collect all the scraps from the workroom floor and I'd do really quite colourful and extravagant things. Um, but I was introduced to the material ginseng by Sue, um, which she originally got from Paris and they call it bundle in Paris. Um, and I think, I think Sue called it Abaca. So there's lots of different names for it. Um, but it's a material I really like to work with. And I think probably these days I do most of my work in ginseng. Because um, after having worked with it for a few years and what I learned from Sue and then what I continued, the techniques I continued to develop myself, um, come up with good ways of making really quite clean lines um, lightweight headpieces and after you know years of making fantastic heavy hats that <laughs> you have to take off halfway through the day it's become important to me that um, the headpieces I make are, are just quite striking and simple and beautiful and you know will last the day and will just um, complement an outfit um, so do you have any other materials you enjoy working with? Ginseng's obviously your m most prominent material choice. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I like sisal. Um, I don't really work with it that much anymore. I've sort of had a go at working with leather, which is okay. <laughs> I don't mind it. With the whole fad of, well, I guess it's not a fad, the whole... Um, headband phenomenon that's been happening sweeping through the races recently. I think it's important that you keep up to date with what's on trend. Um, I quite like working with sort of millinery plastics. That's a lot of fun. Also um, just fabric in general. I mean I work in a couture fabric shop so I'm always interested to see how you can apply you know, dress material into headwear. Um, and do you feel your background in tailoring and your fashion influences how you design a hat or produce a hat? Um, I think so, yes. Um, a lot of the techniques that I'm teaching here at Adelaide are based on dressmaking techniques. 
Um, but there are obviously a few variations considering the material that we're working with is hard. Um, the structure of ginseng is very similar to cloth with the warp and the weft, with the hard fibre and the warp and the, um, the polyester yarn in the weft. So, yeah, definitely a lot of the things, especially pressing techniques that I learnt um, at my time doing fashion and tailoring definitely has helped with millinery. And what is your workroom like? Oh, at the moment, my workroom is... Is, is very full, very full of everything I've ever collected. I recently um, moved out of my high street studio um, just to a room back at home. I'm actually pregnant at the moment and trying to cut back a little bit on the intensity of the millinery business and just keep it a bit more manageable even though the room I've taken for the studio is going to eventually be the baby's room. <laughs> I'll have to figure something <laughs> out there. Um, but I've got till January. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's quite chockers at the moment, but I'm very particular about setting up my workstation. I like to have um, my sewing machine next to a drawer, set of drawers that's full of all the, all my bobbins. I collect lots of bobbins because hate changing the thread on the sewing machine um, and so I've got all my bobbins all my sewing machine needles all my different thread colors are all next to me when I'm sewing and my ironing board is very close by as well so that I don't have to and all my tools are in the middle so that it's easy enough just to go from one sort of aspect of um, hat making to another because the techniques that I've been using do involve a lot of um, stitching and trimming and pressing and through each stage of the process so it's just important that um, it, you can minimize the time so it, it's important to be set up and organized but having said that I always end up working on the ironing board and I always end up covering it in stuff <laughs> and then not having enough space to iron anything um, but I guess that's fine. That's. Do you find it's a part of your maybe creative process to have that build up of mess around you? No, there's no excuse for it, Laura. <laughs> I use it as an excuse all the time. <laughs> Come on, like, oh, but if there's a spare surface anywhere, it just gets covered. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes you just got to start the day by clearing up. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what is your favourite millinery tool within your studio? Ooh, favourite millinery tool. Um, I, ha I have a couple. Um, one of my favourite millinery tools, probably not, a it's more a traditional dressmaking tool, is a block of wood that I have, um, which I use for pressing. Um, another favourite tool would be, I've got a, when I first started out um, studying animal science, which I gave up after six months, <laughs> I was given a surgical kit which had the greatest scissors in the world inside it um, and also a scalpel which I use uh, for a lot of my ginseng techniques. And in relation to techniques, what's the best handy hint someone has shared with you? The greatest thing anyone has ever taught me was I have a very good friend who um, once worked for Philip Tracy and I believe she taught this technique so it's okay that I say this. Um, it was, it's a way of stitching where you, 
um, where you stitch through one way with the point of the needle and bring the needle back through with the head of the needle. And it means that you can stitch through a lot of tricky um, situations with which otherwise you couldn't get the needle into. Um, and it's particularly good for working with ginseng because it has um, gaps between the fibres. You can't actually see the indentation of the hole where you've shoved your needle back in through backwards. So that is the greatest thing I have ever learnt. Are you a thimble user? No, I am a long darn, long darn a needle user. So I use a big, long, strong needle because um, I can never find a thimble that fits my finger. And I just find having a strong, long needle um, is especially good for when you're doing that backward stitch that I just told you about. So, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of milliners out there say, oh, she's not a real milliner. But uh, <laughs> no, get onto the long darners. They're amazing. What's your main customer base? Are they, where do they wear their hats to? Generally for the races. I do get a few people. Yeah, I guess everyone gets a few people wanting to wear hats to weddings. Not that many. A few brides. But, yeah, predominantly the races, I'd say, in Melbourne. And what's the lead-up to your spring carnival like? Oh, it varies from year to year. Some years I've been very organised and others I haven't. I shouldn't say that, should I? But um, this year is one of the years where I'm not very organised. Um, I've been quite unwell with morning sickness um, and I've moved studios. Um, but I have lots of good ideas for new designs this year. Every year I like to come up with a few new designs um, and each year they get better which is well I think they get better <laughs> which is a good thing but I mean people always like the old ones but it, you always need to have something new to keep people interested I think. And how do you work through that development process? Are you Do you like to draw or is it a matter of playing with materials? Uh, a bit of both sometimes I just have a bit of an idea in my head and think oh that would look really good and you quickly draw it down so you don't forget and then you shove it in your handbag and then you lose it. But it's still in your head. Um, but, yeah, I do do a bit of drawing, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I will say to myself, right, I must make a hat today, let's sit down and draw it. Um, but to organise a collection, yeah, I will compile a whole lot of drawings. I do a collection of hats for Ascot each year which gets sold in London and for that I actually compile a catalogue um, which then gets sent over and then the order happens that way, which is a nice way of working actually because it's, it's just different, I guess. It breaks up the sort of way you normally work. And what do you find the difference between the hats you make for Ascot versus locally for Melbourne? Well, I suppose the ones I make in Melbourne are generally personalised to people, so they'll have an outfit and they'll want things that pick up or match. Um, so a lot of the times there's more than one colour involved. All the hats I make that go overseas are monochromatic, like single colour, um, because it's a lot easier, obviously, to match that to an outfit. So if someone's buying a full collection, then it's easier to sell those hats. So I guess that's probably the biggest difference. But having said that, I, some of, I really I quite like the hats that are all one colour. I think just as I've gotten, as I've progressed through millinery, that simplicity really appeals to me a lot um, and just nice clean lines. So when did you first start um, exporting your pieces overseas? Uh, that's a good question. I can tell you that because 
I went over to, I decided one day, things just weren't happening, I wanted to sell my hats internationally. And Sue from The Essential Hat was kind enough to put me in contact with a lady who had a shop in London. Um, and so I decided to get on a plane, take my hats, go and show her and catch up with some people in London and then come home. And then when I came home, the following weekend, I met the man who's now my husband. So that was four years ago. Well, four years and a few months ago. So I can tell you exactly that's when <laughs> I did um, I think you'd be very upset if I didn't remember that exactly. <laughs> um, it actually, at the time, I didn't think it went so well. But I was surprised that the, the owner of the shop said, oh, actually, no, there's a few styles I'll take. And there was one style that she liked, but she, she didn't have didn't have it in the right colour so I had to while I was over there make a hat and then the following year she asked to see that year's collection and it's sort of just gone from there each year so I guess it pays to you know take a bit of a risk sometimes yeah get yourself out there but I think also it, it does really help if you do have a con some kind of contact somehow or you know even if you can get in contact with someone before you go <laughs> it but it's definitely nice to meet people face to face, I think. Are you still retailing through her at the moment? Yes. Yeah, still retail. Um, it's called the Hat Gallery MB um, in Earls Court Road in London. So how's your classes going in Adelaide? Classes going well. There's lots of information to give these delegates in a very short amount of time. So I've been doing a lot of talking and <laughs> demonstrating and um, I hope it's all sinking in. I've written some good notes for everyone to take away and have a good read when they're at home. But um, yeah, hopefully I get an opportunity to teach again because it's been a really good experience. I'd like to do more teaching, I think. And how did you find the Tudor's Challenge? Oh my goodness, the Tudor's Challenge. Um, Controversially, I well, it's, I guess it's controversially. Um, I was given some yellow. I'm not sure what you even call it. It was a capuline with big holes in it. Um, I was given that in bright yellow, and some yellow Swiss braid, and some yellow Petersham. And I thought I need to do something in ginseng because that's what I'm teaching, and that's what I want all the surrounding students to see me working with. And so I went over and looked at the selection of um, ginseng and I found this amazing piece of um, hot pink and off-white ginseng. And I thought, oh, that looks amazing with the yellow. And I actually put, so I, what I made with it was um, a little draped cap um, and I used the yellow as the lining of the underneath of the cap and I used the Swiss braid to make some little abstract flowers to trim it on the side of the cap. I think it looks lovely but um, yeah I'm sure that's probably not what the person who packed the yellow bag was thinking <laughs> was going to happen to it. I'm so, not sure they can quite predict that. There's so no. much variation that came out of those bundles. Yeah that's it and it's so interesting that everyone came up with something completely different. What's your favourite piece of clothing that you own? Uh, the coat I'm wearing right now it is, um, well, no one can see it, obviously. <laughs> it is um, made out of a wool boucle fabric and it's got little silver sparkles in it and it's like wearing a big blanket and I get very cold. So it's been a great comfort to have my coat with me here in Adelaide, even though it hasn't been that cold, really. It's been rather mild. <laughs> uh, how do you take your coffee? 
Uh, I like black coffee. Morning or evening person? Oh, middle of the day person. Is right. that is that That's an option? Sort of, yeah, sure, sure. Um, what's the best day of the year for you? Oh, it would have to be the 4th of December because that's the day my husband was born. Who's a milliner you look to for inspiration? I mean, we all look to Philip Tracy and Stephen Jones. They're amazing. I really love the work that Lynette Lynn does. I think she does such beautiful, happy pieces. And I love shiny things. So, And she's so meticulous in her finish. joining us for another podcast by millinery.info. We hope that you're having a not free day with your stitching.